Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. I think that at some point or another, we've all wondered or we've all asked or maybe our children have asked us, what happens after we die? You know, um, I, I am not afraid to talk about my death. I am not afraid to talk about passing away. In fact, I'd like to talk to Lorraine about her. And I say, you know, when I die, I want everybody to wear Dodger shirts. And, and, and I, want, I want people to, to celebrate. And I don't, want to, I don't want you to let nobody say I was a good person because a good person is what they say about everybody, you know. Um, so I tell her, and she's not too fond of that. She doesn't like talking or even thinking about my death. But, but the truth is, the truth is that we can know What happens after we die? And here's the truth. Truth is, you don't really die. Your physical body dies. Your physical body ceases to function. But the real you, your soul, never dies. We're eternal. In fact, a lot of people say, you know, you can't really know what happens after we die because... When you die, that's it. And nobody that's died has been able to come back to tell us, well, they're wrong because there is one person who died and three days later came back to life. And he's the author of life and he's the truth and he tells us about what happens after we die. And in his written word, look at, would you open your bulletin and inside of it there's an outline. You can pull that out to follow along with me. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 10, and he addresses this subject. He addresses um, our death in the afterlife. And I want us to read it together and, and kind of keep your finger along because I'm going to pause a few times to explain a few things. He begins in verse 1 by saying, For we know, Paul makes an assertion here, that what he's about to say is the truth. And it's the truth because the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Okay? And he says, for we know that when this earthly tent. Now, a tent in our days, when we think of a tent, you're maybe thinking of your weekend camping. You're thinking of a place where you kind of have fun. But in those days, most people lived in tents. So a tent was a place where they live, a place where, where, where they, that was inhabited. So he says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will what? Have a house in heaven. Look at this beautiful um, uh, thing that Paul does. He says, this physical tent that we have is temporary. But one day, God will give us a house. In fact, you got to recall to what Jesus says in the Gospel of John. 
He says, in my father's house, there are what? Many mansions. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you so that you may be where I am. And Paul is saying, when this physical tent is taken down, in other words, when we die, we know that there's a house from God for us. And he says, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. In other words, what Paul is saying there is that when you understand what is ahead of us, when you understand how much better the afterlife is, you will desire it. That's what he's saying. He says, we grow weary in our present bodies and long to put on heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Okay? You are not ghosts up there in heaven. You're not going to be naked playing the harp. Okay? I don't know where people got that, but that's not in the Bible. Okay? That should have been another one in our series. Things the Bible doesn't say. Verse 4. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan inside. But it is not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared for us this. This is so awesome. And as a guarantee, and as a guarantee he has given us what? His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us It's almost like a deposit. It's almost like, you know, when you go and you lay away something, they have you leave a deposit. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a guarantee of what God has promised. And Paul says, you can be sure that what I'm telling you is true and that we will have a glorified body, a body, a a a house that is made by God. And we can have that assurance because as a deposit, as a guarantee, God has given us the Holy Spirit. Look at what he said, continues on to say, verse 6. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. Okay? For we live by believing and not by seeing. Right now, While we are on these earthly bodies, we live by faith. But there will come a time where you will see. There will come a time when we will see the Lord. That's what Paul is talking about. Verse 8. He says, yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these bodies for when we are for when we will be at home with the Lord. Let me read that again. We would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. We know that, that Paul says that, that being absent in the body means what? Present with the Lord. There's no purgatory. I'm sorry. I know there's people that believe in a purgatory. There's no purgatory. There's no sleep state. Paul was clear. Absent of the body Present with the Lord. So verse 9. This is so awesome. 
So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to make a lot of money. Our goal is to enjoy life to the fullest. Our goal is to get as many likes and follows on social media. Our goal is to build the biggest house we can. Our goal is to be as comfortable as possible. What is the purpose for those that have decided to follow Jesus? For those that have Jesus as their savior? What is it? Whether we are in the body or away from the body, what is our purpose? Our goal is to please him not him but him verse 10 it's awesome for we must all stand before christ to be judged we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done check this out in this earthly body why talk about what happens after you die. I'm not trying to be morbid today. I'm not. I'm not uh, uh, trying to scare you. No, no, I'm not. Here's why. And I want you to fill this in. This is why we're talking about the afterlife. Because what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. What you believe about what happens after you die influences, determines... How you live today. If you believe there is nothing after you die, you will live for today and you will live for yourself. And that is how a lot of people live. But if you believe there is a God who created you and loves you, you should and you will live for his glory. Let me tell you something. God is very clear in his written word that there are two places after life. Popularly known as heaven or hell. And everybody will go to one of those two places. And our desire would be to avoid one and secure the other. And let me tell you that what you believe about the afterlife Determines how you live today. Or let me say it another way. You want to know what you believe about the afterlife? Look at how you live. If you live for yourself, you are not so certain about a heaven or hell. If you live to do your own thing, well then you don't truly believe in a heaven or hell. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about three things that happen after we die that will hopefully encourage you if you're not living like there is a heaven or a hell that you would live like there is. And that most importantly that you would live in such a way that you would want to go to heaven and want to avoid hell. So here's three things that the Bible tells us that happen after we die. Number one, and you can fill this out in your outline. The first thing that happens after we die is that our physical bodies die. Our physical bodies die. Your physical body is what dies. Okay? Look at what Hebrews 9, 27 through 28 says. Right there in your outlines. 
It says, just as people are what? Destined to die once. Very educated people. Very scholarly people have done studies. And they've discovered that one out of one person dies. Let me say it in a more simple way. We all die. Everybody dies. We're all going to die. I'm not trying to be morbid or negative. I'm just stating the truth. I know maybe you don't want to die because you're good looking like me. But you still got to die. We all die. Look at what he says. Just as people are destined to die once. And after that to face what? Judgment. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sins, but to bring salvation to those who are what? Waiting Waiting for him. Listen, the Bible is clear. We come from dust and what? We return to dust. We are nothing but dust. There's a joke that says that a pastor one time was preaching about this same topic, about the fact that we come from dust and we return to dust and we are nothing but dust. And uh, after his sermon, a little boy went to his mom and he said, Mom, the pastor said I am but dust. (laughs) No, you're not but dust. You're nothing but dust. Now, here's what you got to understand. The body isn't necessarily a bad thing. The body isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's the sin infested. It is the sin corrupted bodies that we're in. That's the problem. But the physical body in itself is not a negative thing. If it were, Jesus would have never taken on on a physical body. But Jesus took on humanity as part of his deity. But when we die, what really dies is our physical body. Here's the second thing that happens when we die. When we die, our physical body dies. But our souls are separated from our physical bodies. Our physical bodies is what stays behind on earth. Our souls continue to live. That is why I began by saying that you never really die. What dies is your body. But you as a person, you never really die. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28. This is so cool. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. I got to tell you something. So part of our vacation, we went to uh, Puerto Peñasco, which uh, um, is is a town in Mexico. And uh, uh, one of my biggest concerns about going there was my safety and the safety of my family. In fact, I asked people, is it safe? Like, I was afraid of the narcos. I was afraid of the Mexican police. I was like, what if they kill us? You know? And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Because the narcos can kill my body, but they can't kill my soul. But look at what Jesus say. Rather, rather, be afraid of the what? The one who can destroy soul and body where? In hell. At your funeral, at your funeral, when everybody's crying and missing you, 
you will still be alive, but just not in that body. You will still be alive. And Jesus, Jesus made this very clear in the gospel of John. Remember the story of Lazarus? Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. Remember that? But he died. And, 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 and long story short, Jesus delays in coming. I mean, they told Jesus that Lazarus was sick, but Jesus delayed in coming. So Lazarus died. And Lazarus was so dead that the King James Version tells us that he stinketh. <laughs> he was dead. He was dead. And in the midst of that, here's what Jesus says in John 11, 26. Look at what he says. He's talking to, to Lazarus' sister. And he says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Look at this. No one, the one, I'm sorry, the one who believes in me will what? Live. Even though they die. Wait a minute, Jesus. So how can we live if we die? Well, and whoever lives by believing in me will what? Will never die. Our bodies die, but our soul continues to exist. So what happens? I know you're smart people and you're asking, well, what happens to the soul of those that believe in Jesus when our physical bodies die? Well, I'm not educated enough and you would probably expect me to be so we don't know all the details of what happens after we die to the believer but Paul does give us enough information and two things that he makes very clear is that those that believe in Jesus when our physical bodies die is that we receive a glorified body a glorified body I was joking with somebody the other day because they brought donuts, and you obviously know my weakness with donuts. Um, and I was eating a donut, and I said, don't worry, baby. We got glorified bodies coming. <laughs> allow me, allow me to be curious here. But I have a really hard time believing that we're going to have a heavenly body that is out of shape and sick and weak and not good looking. In fact, I'm going to give me a shirt that says six-pack coming. <laughs> so we do know, because Paul tells us, that we will have a glorified body. And we also know that for the believer, when the body dies, being absent from the body means what? Being present with the Lord. So we know that. In fact, remember the two thieves at the cross. Remember when Jesus was crucified, there was two thieves on the cross. They were both criminals. They were both guilty. They both needed forgiveness. But one of them cursed Jesus and the other placed his faith in Jesus. In fact, let's read it. Um, Jesus uh, turns to the thief who says, who says, remember me. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And look at what Jesus answered in verse 43. He says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me, where? In paradise. Today, when we die, you will be with me in paradise. In fact, Paul, Paul, Paul wrestled with the idea of, li of leaving this earthly life to be present with the Lord. Paul addressed it and he said, you know, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, I'm conflicted. 
I'm conflicted. In fact, let's read it. Let's, let, let's read what he says. Look at what he, what he says in Philippians 1, 20 through 23. He says, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. Whether I what? Live or die. Look at what Paul says. Man, listen to me, church. If we would only get this next that Paul says. If we as a church, I'm not talking as a nation. I'm talking as a church. If we would only get this, this would transform our nation. This would transform our communities. All those things we're complaining about, you know, they're not going to be fixed by the Democrats or Republicans. They are not the answer. The answer is Jesus. And if we as an American church would only get this, this has the power to transform not just us, but even our surroundings. Look at what Paul says. For to me, living means living for who? He says, my life, it's not about me. It's about him. And my life living honors God. And he says, for me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even what? Better. You know, many people don't think that. When they think about death, they're like, oh, it only gets worse. You know, America's better than heaven. Oh, Paul says, hey, for me to live is him. And to die, it gets even better. Look at what he says. But if I live, look at what he says. So he's, he's wrestling with this concept of like how beautiful it is to experience and serve and honor and please God while he's alive. But he also knows the joy and the peace and the presence of God that he gets to experience when he, when he dies. So he's wrestling with this. And look at what he says. He says, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. You know what he doesn't say? If I live, I can get to know more beaches. I can build a bigger portfolio. I can be more comfortable. No, he says, if I live, I could do more work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that what? I continue to live. That's what it means when he says, whether I live or die, our purpose, our goal is to please him. So what happens after we die? Our physical bodies die. And our soul is separated from the body. And here's a thing that will happen after we die. We will all face judgment. We will all face judgment. Everyone will. Even Christians. And I'll tell you about it. Look at what 1 Peter 1.17 says right there in your outlines. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. Okay, let me stop there. As somebody who is the favorite of their parents. <laughs> I joke, you got to know that's not true. Okay, I hope you know. It may be obvious, but it's not true. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let me tell you something. Parents can have favorites. They shouldn't, but they can. But God doesn't. You know what that means? Because I've heard people say, 
oh, Jesus is my homie. <laughs> now, he's your friend, but if you mean homie by like, oh, he'll let me slide. He'll cover. He'll look the other, the other way. God has no favorites. And if he did, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, you probably wouldn't be the one. Look at what he says. Look at what Peter continues to say. He will judge or reward you according to what you believe. Did you catch that? God will judge you or reward you according to what you believe. Say what? I thought we were saved by faith. I thought all I had to do was just believe. Ooh, thank you, Steve. Come on, preach. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary, what? Residents. Listen, as disciples of Jesus, as people who have placed their faith in Jesus, this earthly world is not our home. Stop living like this is all there is to your existence. You are just passing by. You, you... You know why you don't find satisfaction in this world? Because you weren't meant for this world. You know, you know why? You know why even though you can accumulate and accumulate and accumulate, there's never enough? The reason there's never enough is because this world cannot give you what satisfies you. Those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus, and when you place your faith in Jesus, you got to know that you are just passing by. This is not your home. And because this is not our home, when our time comes, after our time on earth, everyone will experience one of two judgments. There's two judgments. And you will experience one of two. Let me tell you what they are. The first one. The first judgment, and you can fill this out, is the great white throne. Now, the great white throne, as the Bible calls it, this is for non-believers. This is for those that die without Christ. If you're here this morning and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, this is the judgment that you are at risk of having to have to pass by. But here's the good news. You don't have to. You can avoid this judgment because Jesus came to die so that you wouldn't have to be judged in this way. What is that judgment? Well, let's read about it. In Revelations, uh, look at what it tells us. And I saw a great white throne... And the one sitting on it, that's the Lord. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. And that is only an expression of how powerful, how beautiful the presence of God is. That not even the earth and the sky can hide from it. And look at what he says. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books... Books, more than one. And the books were open, including the book of life. And look at what it says, verse 15. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into what? The lake of fire. What is the book of life? When you recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your sins are forgiven and eternal life is yours. 
When you come to him and you say, I need you, Lord. Forgive me for living so selfishly. Forgive me for breaking your laws. I want to love you and I want to follow you. At that moment, you receive forgiveness, eternal life, and your name is written in the book of life. And the Bible tells us that those that did not receive Jesus or whose name will not be found in the book of life, God will separate them and their destiny will be hell. That is the first judgment. And that judgment is for those that refuse to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, there's a sobering warning I want to give you. And um, I've always been very careful not to judge people's salvations because we shouldn't. We should judge our own salvation, but we shouldn't go around saying, oh, they're not saved, they're not saved, they're not saved. No. But here's what I want to tell you. This next portion that we're going to read concerns me because of one word. Because of one word. And I really want you not to filter other people through it, but to filter yourself through it. And look at what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21. And I'll tell you what that one word that really scares me is. He says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Can I, can, can, can I put that in a very sobering way? Not everyone that comes to church is going to heaven. Not everyone that has a Bible is going to heaven. This is Jesus talking. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Look at this. Only those who actually, what? Do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day. Oh, this on judgment day, and here's the word. On judgment day, many. I don't like that word. He says, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we perform many miracles in your name. And here's why it's scary and here's why it's sad. Because of what Jesus will reply to them. I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Nice people. Good people don't go to heaven. But Lord, I went to church. I was better than my brothers. I donated to charities and even went to go pass out backpacks. <laughs> Lord, I didn't kill anybody. And Jesus will reply, I never knew you. You never knew me. We didn't have a relationship. Here's the question. Let me sum it up because I don't have a lot of time. How do you know if you know Jesus? How do you know if Jesus knows you? By the way you live. It's by the way you live. We are saved by faith in Jesus. That is the ticket to heaven. But the proof that that has taken place is the way we live. I believe, and forgive me if you believe I'm being a little judgmental, 
I believe that a lot of people have an opinion about Jesus, but don't really believe in Jesus. The way you know, whether you know Jesus, whether you truly believe in Jesus, is the way you live. Well, pastor, how are we supposed to believe? Because, you know, there's all kinds of Christians. Well, don't look at Christians. Look at Jesus. You know, there's Christians that do this, and there's other Christians that don't do this, and there's Republicans that say this, and Democrats. Don't look at Republicans or Democrats. Look at Jesus. How much of what Jesus was are you? That's how you know if you know Jesus. There's another judgment. This is for believers. And I'll wrap it up with this and fill this out. The second judgment is the judgment seat of Christ. Is the judgment seed of Christ. And this is what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 5.10, the passage that we read. And look at what he says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, the judgment seat of Christ is different from the great white throne. The judgment seat of Christ is taken from, from, from the Greek Olympic Games. And, and, and in Greek, it was known as the Bema seat. And, and this seat was the seat where the, the, the judge of the Olympics would sit not to judge whether the athletes were, were able to qualify for the race, but the judge would sit to reward the athletes for their performance. Do you get that? This is not a judgment of whether the athletes qualified, but this was a judgment of rewards according to their performance. And in the judgment seat of Christ, you and I as believers, this is the judgment that as believers we will experience after we die. We are not going to be judged for our sins. The price of our sins was already paid. What we will be What we will be judged or better said, rewarded for, is our deeds while we were in this body. So let me tell you something. What you do matters. What you believe determines where you spend eternity. If you don't believe in Jesus as the Son of God, you have a destiny separated from God. If your faith is in Jesus as your Lord and Savior then you look forward to being in the presence of God. What you believe determines where you spend eternity. How you live determines how you spend eternity. There will be rewards. We are not saved by works. We are not saved, but we are rewarded by works. What are we going to be judged on, Pastor? Let me tell you a couple of things so that you can get some rewards. Jesus will reward you on how you treated people. Did you know that? Did you know that you're going to be rewarded or judged based on every word you spoke? You're going to be rewarded how you used your money. Oh, I had to pay my bills, Lord. Oh, okay, I see, I see. Did you endure suffering? There is a crown for those that endure suffering. You will be rewarded If you led others to Christ, there's also a crown for those that lead others to Christ. And you will be rewarded how you use the gifts that God gave you. That's why I say what you believe about eternity 
determines how you live. Now, imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine how humbly, how awesome, how awe-inspiring, and how satisfying it will be when our time comes to an end and we get to meet Jesus. Can you imagine with me when your time comes and in a moment you get to go be with your Savior and you see him face to face and like the song I can only imagine, I believe that most of us will drop to our knees. And can you imagine Jesus saying, my son, You made such a difference in the life of others by serving them and serving me joyfully. My son, my daughter, when when hard times came, you prayed and you prayed not as a last resort, but you prayed because you were anchored in me and you were waiting on me to answer. My son, you lived out your faith in your job. You lived out what you believe about me and you were a light in that office. My son, you didn't have much. You didn't have riches. But you gave sacrificially and you gave generously. You did the things that weren't so popular and that maybe not everybody noticed them, but you did them with excellence because you were doing them for me. When you saw hungry people, you fed them. When you saw thirsty people, you gave them something to drink. You visited those that were in need. You clothed the naked. You listened to those that were depressed. You, you, you did all this for the least of these. And because you did it for them, you did it to me. When you stand as a believer before Jesus, what will Jesus praise you for? Or will we have An empty reception full of excuses and reasons why we couldn't serve and live for him as Paul did. Listen, you would think, you would think, and this is what I want you to take today. You would think that the longer we walk with Jesus, the easier it would be to fall in love with Jesus, right? I mean, the longer we walk with him, the easier it should be to pray. The easier it should be to love his church. The easier it should be to love those that don't have him. But isn't the opposite true? That the longer we walk with him, the more appealing the things of the world are. And the more distracted and the more comfortable we get. Listen, because eternity matters. We got to cut every root of love to the things of this world. We got to cut it. This is not our home. We live to please him and him alone. And I'm not saying that you got to go broke. And I'm not saying that you got to be miserable. But many of us are living not to please him, but to please ourselves. And we haven't died to ourselves. And we are living for ourselves. And because we do that, we will miss on the great rewards that God wants to give us. And I pray, church, I pray that we would get uncomfortable. I believe that the church and those of us that follow Jesus need to get in an uncomfortable state. We need to pray longer than we are accustomed to. We need to read the Bible till it cuts into our Netflix time. We need to give till it hurts. We need to tell people about Jesus even when it's not politically correct or convenient for us. 
Because it is when we get uncomfortable that you would most likely be doing what pleases him. Because what this world wants is to make us comfortable so that in our comfort, we lose and we miss the opportunity of pleasing the one that loves us. Erwin Lutzer said the following, and I'll end with this. One minute after you slip behind the the parted curtain, you will either be enjoying a personal welcome from Jesus, from Christ, or be catching your first glimpse of gloom as you have never known it before. Either way, your future will be irrevocably fixed and eternally unchanged. You can't change your eternity in eternity. You can only do that now. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.